you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey guys, Ricky Hollywood here. Make sure to check out Around the NFL on NFL Network on Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. If that time doesn't work for you, well, you're in luck. It's re-airing again on Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern and then again on Saturday at 2 a.m., 6 a.m., and 10 a.m. Eastern. No excuses, guys. Let's go. Let's get to the show. The Around the NFL Podcast is building a mansion on Stidham Corner. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm coming to you from a city filled with heroes in bunkers. Mark Zessler, Greg Rosenthal, what is up, boys? It's happening. I think Hey Dan still has you beat by a little bit there, Greg. But Just the waiting. Effort. I mean, the show is incomplete. And I'm waiting, you know, the, the introductions are incomplete. Of course, because also joining us, sitting in the Chris Wessling chair, Chris Wessling, who we will hear from later, is the great legend. One of the legends of the Around the NFL podcast, friend of the show, the great Lindsay Rhodes of NFL Network. What's up, Linz? Hey, way more well-rested than Chris Wessling these days. <laughs> so. is, yeah, well, that's good. It's But you are like us. You also, Lindsay, have two children. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. So quarantine life, you, it seems to be treating you well and that you are you don't look like you've gone insane. So that's good. I look like it. Mm. All right, that's it's important. Um, coming up on today's show, this is a good one. we got Lindsay in the building or well, on the podcast. Buildings don't exist anymore, at least how we knew them to be. Uh, but uh, we are going to continue our Wheel of Team series with the New York Giants and Bob Glauber of Newsday. Uh, speaking of friends of the show, will be joining us for that. Uh, also, Greg, you've done much work on your projected starter series over on the dot com. And you said you have some takes, you said. I mean, I've done so much work, I can distill it down to one minute, not waste everyone's time looking through uh, 16,000 words or something. It's all down to one minute that we can talk about. Yeah, it's efficient. Uh, 
<laughs> just just throwing this out there just is is that maybe an indictment of the series if well that, yeah, that, that, that was a joke seconds? yeah that was the joke yeah. but people should read it people like i think people still are interested in reading uh articles on websites but not not as many people as before i think we found <laughs> yeah well that's fair it's a nice series uh, and- I've, I've dug into it it's a good read I do enjoy it. If Greg needs that, that was very um, nice, that Mark. Thank you, Mark. Nice Thank you, Mark. <laughs> and yes, Wes and Lakeisha. Who knows? Maybe even Baby Link will join us at the end of the show. But before we do that, with Lindsay Rhodes in the virtual house, let's do some news. Hmm. All right. Speaking of virtual, the virtual owners meetings are going on and all these rule proposals that we've uh, talked about on this show and on our network program uh, that, you know, really served as something to talk about the last couple of weeks. Now we see if some of these rule proposals go into effect, one that is not going to going into effect, most likely in 2020. The NFL owners have tabled the measure that would have allowed teams a fourth and 15 conversion attempt in lieu of an onside kick. Uh, I guess they just didn't think it was all there, so they didn't even bring it to vote because it would not have passed. So I guess it's still possible it could happen this year, but more than likely this is something that's going to take some tinkering. I have takes on this that differ from the other boys on the show, but Lindsay, I was wondering what you thought about this idea of the onside kick alternative. It would certainly be exciting. Doesn't it feel a little bit arbitrary? Like, hey, here's just instead of doing this thing that is a kick where you would normally kick, we're going to just give you the ball in a totally different. Like, here's a spot. Here's the like, it just feels like, okay, this is fun. But like, it just feels weird to me. But aren't all all rules kind of arbitrary if you think, I mean, at some point you just had to, it's like, why, why is it 10 yards to gain a first down? It's like, you just got to make up. So why is an extra point? You know, why do they kick it at certain? You just got to make up some, make up the rules. You got to change them up every once in a while. But actually, no, you don't have to change them up every once in a while. And I'm definitely team Rhodes on this one. It did feel a little arbitrary and it felt like something that you would cook up in your backyard for a football game. And I just, I don't, I don't want the 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 league to make changes for the sake of changes. And I understand the onside kick has become an almost irrelevant play, almost, but not quite, uh, because of the safety measures that went into effect with you can't get a running start anymore, which was all there for player safety, and I get that. But my feeling on it is maybe we could look into ways, alternatives to to increase the percentage chance of recovering an onside kick while also not putting players in uh, added danger. Maybe that's impossible, but I just, I never understood it. And Mark, to me, the one thing that also jumped out to me, the more I thought about it, it just seems like too much of an advantage for a team that's losing. Like this idea that you could be down uh, multiple scores. And if you get hot and you go on a long march down the field, you have a chance to stay on the field and have a rip roaring comeback without the other offense, even touching uh, setting foot between the lines. I'm not in on that either. I like the rule more than you do um, be, because the until you fix the issues with the onside kick, the you can think of your a billion times that the team you're rooting for has been in a scenario where like the onside kick is your last chance at life. And to reduce that play the way they have in terms of being able to successfully uh, convert those, um, you're out of options. So they have to come up with something. It's instructive that this was a pretty, um, I don't want to say zany, but it was, a pretty deep cutting um, uh, rule change. And 
uh, this this Zoom call with what thirty two billionaires on it. Uh, it was a little too rich for them, so they said no. Ooh. So you're you're you live you're, yeah. you should be happy, Dan. I mean, and if a team gives up like three straight <laughs> touchdowns and three straight fourth and fifteens, you deserve what you get. I don't I don't get the argument that's like oh that makes it too easy to come from behind. Well, what's wrong with that? Let's have some comebacks. That just doesn't feel like football. Risk attached to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to give the give the other team the ball right there, if you don't convert it, yeah. then at Make least a, yeah. like the risk reward seems balanced stop. in Make that sense. Stop. It does. Yeah, I mean, but I'm just saying, how about we try to fix the onside kick? How though? But that the problem is you you can't peel back the safety. That's not my job. I know, but 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 you, that's a nice solution. With no, there's no solution. Well, you won. Attached You're to on the idea. side of the billionaires. That's you know we're for the working people in this pandemic. Right. I think that's billionaires. what comes out of this. You know, Greg, you know, Greg, I, and, Greg, and Mark I, are you know working class types, and you're up there in your uh, your little villa. Wherever that this is, seems, this seems a little sloppy, but uh, that that's fine. In other rule change uh, news, one thing that did go through uh, is that the owners voted to kill the end of game quote Belichick penalty loophole. It was the one where uh, you could run a clock uh, and keep a clock running and kill time uh, by committing multiple dead ball fouls, and we saw Belichick do it, and then we saw. It get done to Belichick in the playoffs. And it was just ridiculous and was stupid and wasn't fun to watch. So common sense carries the day. This is no longer a thing, Mark Sessler. Yeah, and it shouldn't be. So, you know, they, they achieved something of, uh, you know, logic-based during this call. That, that needed to go away. Makes me wonder, like, how many other rules are just have been sitting there for 40 years being ready to be uh, exploited. I hope Belichick's been, you know, digging through that rule book in Nantucket this offseason, come up with some new ones. He would have found him. Right. He came up with that one out of, I mean, he's been in the league a long time. He hadn't thought of that one before. You know, he, he's, he's going through an off season now where he doesn't have a quarterback anymore. And now he doesn't have one of his precious little rules that he could skirt to his benefit. He knew, he knew it was gone. He said it that night against the jets. This was probably will, but this rule will be changed. But uh, in the meantime, I'm going to have some fun. (laughs) Uh, one other change. Him, I'm sure he's fine with it being changed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. One final rule change. The NFL will now allow teams to designate three players to return from injured reserve. Uh, the old boomerang rule, as it's known on the Around the NFL podcast. And that just makes sense too. more common sense. That's that's good, Lindsay. We like we like when uh, because, you know, with the volatile nature of pro football, this idea that you have to make these decisions when uh, early in the season on a player, give the rosters more flexibility like this one. I think this season too, when, you know, we don't know what it's going to look like from a health standpoint and COVID. And if somebody, you need as many players available to you as possible, because if you have players getting sick in the middle of the season and all of a sudden they're not available, you can't just have people who are arbitrarily not available to come back. I think that, that makes sense this year in particular. Just get as many people on the field as you possibly can. Yeah, I'd wondered like 10 years from now, when you look at IR Boomerang, it started as one, then became two players, then now three. Would it be Everybody. double, triple? Why, like, why not? Because it's great for football that you could say, you know, you have three, three star type players on the shelf or you know, critical guys on your roster. Bring them all back. Like make the end of the season meaningful and fun. In other news, Mark, your Cleveland Browns, hot for Jadavian Clowney. We've heard Clowney 
connected to Cleveland. But ESPN's Adam Schefter reported this week that the Browns have offered, quote, the most money to date to Clowney. And Schefter said on ESPN Cleveland, it's unclear exactly why he has not taken the offer. Uh, This is from Schefter. Why is that? I don't know. Is that not wanting to be in that city? Is that a lack of belief in the organization? I don't know what it is, but there's no doubt Cleveland has offered the most money to date. 27 years old, uh, still on the market. Mark, do you want him? I do. And I was told um, about a month ago on this show that I was, you know, next to insane for suggesting that Clowney would be a good fit for the Browns roster. I mean, only by Dan, only by Uh, Dan. I I also didn't say next to insane. No, uh, it was actually our friend Steve Weish who told me that it was a terrible idea also because that locker room is too on edge. And, you know, by the way, it's okay if the Browns have more talent than people uh, think is necessary for a Browns team. And I have no (laughs) problem bringing Clowney in. You got Miles Garrett, they, they hung on to Olivier Vernon, which I thought if they went and got Clowney, maybe you move Vernon at some point because there were a lot of whispers about that. I like that they didn't because outside of Adrian Claiborne, you don't have much else at that position. And when, when they lost Miles Garrett last year, and you know, you know that was a deserved uh, removal from the roster, obviously, for, what, for the antics on Thursday night, that defense fell apart. So mm-hmm. I have no problem adding pass rushers all over the place. It'd probably be a one-year deal. Do it. Are you taking it as a slight, though? He's not taking their money right now. Maybe that's uh, he I don't know. he's too he good for Cleveland. He, he doesn't seem as interested as I do in this deal. <laughs> Idea what the most the best offer is, like what kind of ballpark? Is it even close to what he was expecting, or is he just in a stage now where he's like resetting all of his expectations? Or I think it's a lot less than he was expecting. It's it's a good question to ask. And it makes sense if if none, even though it's the most money, it's not near what he wanted in terms of guarantees and multi-years. So why not just skip all these Zoom calls and uh, wait till August, you know, to be on a team? And I don't think it's a next to insane idea for Clowney to go to Cleveland, but talent is not really the problem on that roster, as we know. I know you just said, Mark, that the it gets thinned out when you lose certain players, but you could say that, for any roster, it's more, is he a personality fit in there? And I don't know. I don't think it's wrong to question uh, what kind of fit they have in there, what kind of personalities they have in place. Is this somewhere where this guy would thrive or he would, he would become a headache and he'd cost a ton of money? I, I think it would be a risky move by the team. I just still hmm. stand by that. I don't know how risky it is because they, they, yeah, I mean, they have the more cap space than any team in the league right now. And I, I don't know. I, I To me, it just feels like, it, we're, these players are only allowed to go to four or five um, locker rooms. That's the, we only trust four or five teams to handle anyone with a personality. I just I, I bump on that. So many different Jalen Ramsey in Cleveland. At yeah, a, I mean, yeah, who are we pointing to? Point, I guess like just whatever. Just bring in all the talent. Like figure it what out. What could go wrong? All right. Well, in know, other news, go wrong as we saw last year. But. Yes, a lot could. <laughs> I, get, I mean, that's. Kind of what I'm saying. I know they have new, hey, they have new leadership there too. So maybe everything's going to be different with Fred, the Freddie Kitchens regime, thankfully one and done there. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but Jadavian might not want to go there. So stay tuned. Jalen Ramsey, he will not hold out of training camp, uh, he says. Uh, this comes from Steve Weish, our buddy, on Twitter. And it's coming off a year where, of course, uh, Ramsey held the Jaguars hostage without a gun uh, and forced them to trade the cornerback in the middle of last season. Uh, and now with the Rams in an even trickier place because 
Ramsey knows that he is going to get money from Los Angeles. He's thrown him a bone, it seems, at this time. Your thoughts, Greg? Well, he said this right when he got traded, that he wouldn't hold out the next year. And based on Les Snead's comments, I think they're, they've made some progress in doing a negotiation. So he feels good. He wants to be there. I think he feels like he's going to get that money eventually. He knows people are kind of annoyed at him of how last year was handled, so he can't go back on his word. And as many questions as there are about the Rams, and, and they're all fair, the secondary is pretty intriguing with with Jalen Ramsey, and then you have a safety duo and uh, former Around the NFL podcast guest John Johnson. Remember him, Dan? I mean, that, yeah. was, that was a big moment for the show. And Taylor Rapp, and you got Troy Hill. I kind of like at cornerback. It's a little thin at cornerback, but that's plenty of talent. You can, you can do a lot with Jalen Ramsey being your number one corner. I was just disciplining my children. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was. I was that. wondering what that was. Don't don't be sorry. I mean, they deserve it, right? You know, you leave know, Daddy alone. Garage. I told them when when the podcast is recording, they know this by now. It's been months, and I know it's a tricky situation. Don't come in here. I have a 100-foot wire, hardline wire, connecting my laptop to uh, the router in the living room. So when you run in here and you're three years old, you're five years old, there's like a 70% chance you're going to trip over the wire. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> We're lucky I'm still involved in the conversation. And now I had to, I had to dole out some uh, verbal punishment there. <laughs> That's what dad's got to do. I put I it like on mute the, because the audience didn't need to hear it. Right. You hit that mute button, but I, the three of us could tell that um, something was going on there. You looked uh, deeply involved in parent in a parenting issue, which uh, we all respect. Are you the disciplinarian, Dan? Between you and Emily, is there a disciplinarian between you two or is it shared equally? Um, I mean, it's not it's not good cop, bad cop by any stretch, but uh, <laughs> I would say it's traditional, at least how I was raised, that uh, – Mom is obviously a figure of respect and don't mess with her. But, you know, if I come into the room when things are they're not listening to reason from mom, it, it kind of things have stepped up a notch. It's that type of vibe. It's how I was raised anyway. What about you guys? Stern face. Yeah, I don't know. Lindsay, was that was that what's going on in your house? Are you the one with the uh, iron hammer? Ultimately, the whip cracker. <laughs> I think I'm probably tougher than my husband in that regard. Mm. Yeah, I don't think that. I think it. Yeah, it depends on the house. Um, I think it depends on the kid too. Like, I would say, you know, like depending on the of our kid, they're more afraid of me or or uh, Emika. But I feel like their ultimate fear is they're more afraid of their mom than they are of me. You and Emika don't strike me as like a totally intimidating duo. uh, Just to be fair there, but uh, I mean, our house has just slipped into total lawlessness. So I don't. There is no authority figure here. <laughs> the kids are in control. Um, finally, in the news, interesting piece from Richard Deitch over at uh, The Athletic, an interview, uh, an interview with Booger McFarland, who, of course, has just been relieved of his duties on Monday Night Football. He started in the Boogermobile in year one there. Year two, they moved Witten out or he moved to back to the Cowboys and McFarland moved back to the booth with uh, Tessitore, his old buddy from the SEC network. And it was an enlightening uh, conversation between Deitch and Booger. And Greg, what did you kind of take out of uh, the interview? There was, there was a lot. I, I have a few things, but the, the part where he said he read all the criticism and that anyone who doesn't say they see that is lying stuck with me. So he he knew what was out there 
in terms of all the heat he was taking. And the thing I found interesting just in terms of how the firing was handled was like he got at the point where in TV they never tell you why. He was like, I didn't even ask. Like, I would like to have known, but they don't tell you. You know, they like they. I heard this was coming by the time they tell me it's already over. They made up their minds and I'm never going to really find out. Uh, and he said that was frustrating, but he also said he understood it because he mentioned the speed of the game being so fast. And he mentioned, yeah, that was he, interesting. He talked about the Witten. He, he didn't even mention the Witten year until Deitch brought it up. It was like the Witten year never happened. He talked about his first year as last year. And he also right. mentioned how he's so comfortable in the studio that he's done that forever, that, that he has all these reps and the speed of the game is slow there. And then you put it back on ESPN. Well, wh- why are you putting a guy in a booth that's never been in a booth? You're, you know, you, not only are you putting him in a booger mobile the first year with Jason Witten, um, who, who was struggling and he tried to defend Witten, but he was just saying who's going to be their best uh, the first year. He, he basically said that the speed of the game was too fast for him at points. And which makes sense because he'd never broadcast the game before. Basically, he was a studio guy, and like that—that's ESPN's fault. That's not really Booger McFarland's fault. Lindsay, you've had a uh, great career starting out at USC and doing all the business there, and that you've been all over the country uh, as a broadcaster. Have you ever done? Have you ever done any like? Have you ever done anything in the booth? Have you ever done any calling games or anything like that? No, no. I mean, I've done sideline. I have no interest in calling games because I just know that wouldn't be anything I'd be good at, frankly. And so I can relate. I always kind of felt a little bit badly for Booger because I, I think what he realized and what people at home don't know is it, I think the speed of the game is a very important point. It's easy to sit on your couch and jump in when you have a thought, but to have to have a thought all the time and you're constantly talking. And when you're the third person like he was in your one, the pace is different. You know, he could jump in and add a point. Whereas when you're the person in the booth, you have to have a point about all of it. And so when you say speed of the game, the game's moving fast, but you're like checking your notes. You're looking at like, there's no time to do that. If you're in a booth where you are expected to be the primary voice and you've just never done it before, you haven't had a chance to figure out the flow of broadcasting a game. It's so different than being in a studio or anything else it's just it it feels like you're you're playing catch up the whole time you just can't be in that position i don't Uh, know why he read the criticism though like you know that it exists if you're him because he's like the number one trending topic every monday night for crying out loud so like i'm sure he's hearing it but if he's reading his mentions or anything like that i i think oh my gosh like protect your sanity you have to avoid that you have to learn how to avoid that I, well, I thought it was he, – he talked about the fact that um, he had a real thick skin and that it didn't bother him the way it might someone else because as a player you're so used to just absorbing um, fan abuse that you uh, you maybe become more practiced at not having it hit you. But, I mean, it, it was – it humanized um, the whole Monday Night Football thing for me a little bit. We've been tough on that broadcast, um, I think, fairly. Uh, it, but also that, you know, if you're, if you're those guys – um, you're 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 announcing Monday Night Football in a pretty terrible era um, with Twitter existing during games. This just was not the case, you know, back in the day where they might have a good show or not. Um, but you're not hearing it from six thousand jabronis um, tweeting four billion times during the game. And I mean, even for us, we're we dip a varying levels of what of impacts us. I, I remember the one of the first articles I ever wrote at NFL.com. Um, the first comment 
was you are dumb and your children are dumb. <laughs> I didn't even have children at that point. So I don't know if that was a prediction or what, Impression. but um, uh, it, it, that I still remember little things like that. Or when mm. someone really hits you with an arrow um, that is truly mean, like some people can just not care. I care about that stuff. I'm not, I mean, you don't want to cling to it forever, but well, if you're boogering uh, those guys, even- you got to have a thick skin to get through those seasons. And doing this show as long as we have and working with the NFL, it definitely gives you a little more perspective on getting criticism. I definitely handle criticism better now than I did seven or eight years ago, for sure, when it comes online. But I think my takeaway, and I didn't really need to read this article to have this takeaway, but it is a good reminder. If you care uh, to have a more nuanced take on something like this other than, oh, booger sucks. Uh, you have to understand that these decisions and his performance, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. And the fact that he struggled on that show on Monday Night Football was not just on him. Everyone would put it all on the personality. Jason Witten, I'll even include here as much as he struggled on, on his own right. But it's it's the position they put him in, putting him in the booger mobile where he's in a seatbelt going 15 miles an hour up and down the sideline, then jump pumping him upstairs and giving him no reps to learn how to do that job. I totally see where he's coming from. And sometimes the network, and I'm not just single out ESPN, it could be NFL network. It could be anyone. They deserve more blame than the actual individual right. does when things go uh, sideways. It's like, it's like an NFL team that always struggles because of bad ownership. And I don't think Monday night football has had that sort of consistent struggles, but this is a hundred percent on the decision makers. The fact that they put Witten in that scenario uh, and then that, that it didn't quite work out with Booger. I did want to mention one other thing he talked about, which did, was not related to Monday night football, but he was, he was so um, cogent on it. I think it was important. Nice, cogent. To put out there, which is he was really against college football coming back in, in the fall. And he said, it's one thing if you're if you're a pro and you're making money and you're making that decision that it's like I'm a corporation. I'm going out there. I'm, I'm feeding my family. It's another totally hypocritical thing to say we're going to social distance the crowd at a college football game, but we're, we're going to make the players play for us. And that they're, you know, they're playing for free, obviously. And it's a totally different that they're going to be tackling each other. And there's going to be 100 people on the sidelines. And if you if you send your kids to school there, we'll, we'll try to keep them safe in the crowd or if you want to go to the game. But we don't really care about these kids that are, that are out there. And if it's like an 18, 19 year old kid, he was thinking about his kids. He had a big problem with that. I thought that was a really interesting point on the difference of thinking about this fall in terms of college versus the pros with so many college kids though because then what do you what do you do if you're trying to like you don't want to lose that year of eligibility you don't want to or obviously they figure out something about eligibility but like you don't want to use that lose that year of athletic uh activity if you're trying to make it to the league if you're one of those guys that is trying to do this professionally you can just sit on the sideline for a year and expect that then you're still going to be fine trying to get to the league i i feel bad for those kids too that would be put in that position not to say like yes you should play college football right they pulled a bunch of see how this would be a complicated thing they pulled a bunch of college players and i've seen like two or three of these articles where the vast majority want to play but i think greg you're what 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 booger mentioned is the ethical um dilemma in this and and sorry but it applies to the nfl too i don't care about the money or not it you can't i get that it's pro and you want to shove them everyone out there on in time for training camp but the ethical questions are draped over every one of these sports um, all right. That's what's happening in the news. Good convo, guys. Um, before we get to our deep dive on the Jimlin, uh, Greg, it is time now for you Ooh. to distill 
everything that you've taken out of your projected starter series. And just for the people that maybe aren't properly educated, what is the projected starter series exactly? I guess it's self-evident, but just let people know what you you know. NFL.com slash projected starters. We got all 22 players I think are going to get the most snaps for each team. Uh, but then with a bunch of notes for each team too, which is the part you know that I, I enjoy. It's one of my favorite things to do every year. Mark Sessler liked it, so that's a big. It's a good read. Like the, yeah, it's the little bullet point nuggets that you offer are. It's, um, yeah, it's the nuggets. It's uh, it's right. one of my favorite little things we do every year. So is I'm there, gonna try to Mark, boil it down. Is there an article that jumps out? By the way, is there one one piece, <laughs> uh, maybe non Browns related, that jumps out to you? I thought, for instance, he did a really nice job on the Giants, who we're going to dig into today, and talked about some of the, you know, the Giants have a lot of issues, and Greg is skillful at, um, you know, exposing some of those issues, but not dropping a bomb on the G-men at the same time. What would be an issue that you read in that article that uh, Greg kind of He's trying to say he doesn't believe you that you uh, actually read (laughs) it. You know what? Mark sent me a text like three weeks ago. At least he was reading one of them and made some comments. I did. How dare you, Dan? Yeah, Dan, that is, it's talk about ethical issues. I mean, you are are (laughs) dipped in them all day long. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Okay. Get to it, Greg. What, All right. You're going to give us 60 seconds of hot takes? I don't take? know. Yeah, we'll do 60 seconds of just some takeaways. Like and that's enough. And uh, who's going to okay. – are you going to do a clock, Erica? Who's doing it? Because I need to be cut off or else it'll just go on forever. All right, Ricky, put him on a clock for 60 seconds. And, uh, Greg, whenever you're ready, let it rip. Okay, here we go. Uh, the Cowboys defensive line has one player returning – that had over 150 snaps on the team last year. That, that seems like a problem. I, I'd be a little worried about the mm. Cowboys defense. The Raiders are the team that doing this exercise, I think I liked more after doing it. I think they're the second best team in the NFC West. Uh, no quarterback in the league. I think if you look at the whole situation, offensive line, coach, receivers, everything, I don't know if anyone has a worse situation than Dwayne Haskins. I mean, he is set up to, to fail. Teddy Bridgewater, love him in fantasy leagues this year. Their secondary is so bad after uh, Dante Jackson. They're going to give up a ton of points. I like the weapons around them. They're going to have to score a ton. Uh, Steelers, take their top five on the defensive line in their their front seven. That's the best top five in the league. Hayward, Tuitt, Watt, Dupree. uh, Who am I forgetting? Bush. That's a good little group. Run out of time. Phillip Rivers, best offensive line he's ever played with. And I like the Colts' defensive line, too. So if you win in the trenches, I love the Colts this year. And then if we're running out of time here, uh, how about the Colt, the Rams secondary, and the Texans offensive line? They both stunk last year, and they brought back all the same players. That's not a good thing. (laughs) What is that? That feels good. Time's up. I edited out my Patriots homer take just for you guys. Do you feel educated, Lindsay, after that? relax like I'm at a spar or something with that music. Very nice. <laughs> it's not uh, how I felt during the 60 more. seconds. <laughs> it felt very stressful and then so this is nice. It's a come down. Well, I would say if, you, if you're looking for any uh, c- constructive criticism there, uh, Never. Greg, when you started naming people on the Steelers defensive line uh, in front seven, that really hurt you. That cost you seven or eight seconds easily. That's, that's fair. I think it's good though. Then people know who you know who I'm talking about. But you're right. Uh, it's, it's what fun. was your Patriots homer take? I'm just curious. Why not? Oh, um, you know that uh, they've got. I think you could argue pretty strong. They got a top five offensive line, a top five secondary, and the greatest uh, you know coach in history. So let let's stop talking about them as they're crazy talent poor. Those are important parts of your team: offensive line and secondary. It's fair. Ten and six. 
I don't know. Eh, that's a little optimistic, but we'll see. Why not? I, I can see, see that. Stidham. I got to see what Stidham looks like. All right. It's time. It's time to continue the wheel of teams. The New York Giants is where it landed on Monday. So a little background on the G-Men. Uh, established. 1925, eight NFL championships, five Super Bowl appearances, four victories. The last appearance, 2012, a win over the Patriots. Super Bowl 46, they went 4-12 in 2019. And they're coached by Joe Judge, who's in his first season with the team. Yes, the Giants are starting over. And to join us in this conversation, we welcome in a man who uh, serves as an NFL columnist for Newsday. He's a, the author of Guts and Genius, a great uh, deep dive into pro football during the Reagan era, as I call it. Some people just say 80s, but I like to give it that little extra flair. And let us not forget, I know Sessler hasn't, uh, this man is also the president of the Pro Football Writers of America. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Glauber. Ooh. What's I up, mean, heroes? I mean, we bring you yeah. on, Glauber, and your phone is ringing. This isn't this uh, isn't helping your case that may you know that your demographic uh, it's a little older than ours. Maybe it's, he had his wife problem. do that to give him like a uh, rap a rap sheet thing there. No, uh, no, I'm like, who 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 is that? I mean, come on, it's you know who was another old timer, Neil Best. Okay, okay, <laughs> I know Neil Best. Great, uh, here he is again. Great TV columnist from Newsday. I mean, what, is he just because of a hot take on Mike and the Mad Dog? Come on. Oh, he's answering the phone, Glauber. This is just pathetic. Just sad. Yeah. He's a newsmaker. He's he's a... I got to go, Neil. Okay? Okay. (laughs) Listen this. This is special. You respect Neil more than us? What is going on, Bob? Well, I I had to take his call because he would have kept calling. You want to keep getting interrupted? Well, right. Neil's it's been fair. on the show out of nowhere, so it's, it's a big, yeah. big event for him too. You can silence Bob. The how phone, many years? You can turn it off. You can do all sorts of things. How many years, Bob? You've been covering New York sports and the pro football scene. Where are we? Well, what New are we up sports, to? Now? Been, uh, New York sports. I've been covering since nineteen seventy nine. Wow, that's forty one. I started in seventy nine. Covered covered them in their Stanley Cup years, and then football started in 1985. Wow! Before wow! So you've you seen got a lot. A twinkle in your daddy's eye. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> well, actually, yes. When you started, Bob, you, well, that was exactly the yeah. year I was a twinkle. Yeah. So <laughs> Mark was in middle right, school get... then. So it was that... no, I I was I was born, but um, I will say that you hit the New York football scene at the exact right time. That's I mean, true. 85, oh, please. Oh, my goodness. I, I'm, Mark, I'm telling you, I am grateful to have started then because it could have been 84, 83. That, you know, but, but they were starting to get good. The Giants were starting to get good. The Jets were good at that time. And the Bill Parcells era was spectacular. And it was incredibly memorable, not only for fans and for football enthusiasts, but for journalists. No better training than to be – uh, in a Bill Parcells press conference and get leaked on mm. relentlessly <laughs> and continuously. But to the point where I can, I can now call this man and say, Hey, how you doing? You know, 
<laughs> wow. He, he was quite a character. And I, it was very, it was tough. It was very challenging as a journalist, believe it or not, because he was like, you know, he was into it. He would, he I would challenge it. you big time, but it was, it was great. He's my, I would say he's my favorite football personality ever. And I'm biased because of my New York ties and his run with the Jets. But in general, no matter where he's been, to me, he was always such a compelling figure. And yep. uh, his personality, he's such a Jersey guy. It was all it was all like what you see is what you get uh, with Parcells. Maybe we'll have a uh, – oh, and you could read more about it, as Bob points out, with a shameless <laughs> plug on Guts and Genius, and Guts and Genius uh, Bob's book you oh. released last year. All right, let's get into it, Bob. Let's get into the present. The Giants are starting over mostly. You have the same yep. GM, Dave Gettleman, but a new head coach and a new franchise quarterback in Daniel Jones entering his first full season – as starter uh what what are your kind of what's your general feel around this team right now does it feel like almost a weight's been lifted off them now that Eli's out out of the building and they're able to kind of move forward as an organization as good as Eli was to that team yeah no I think that's a fair point Dan and I think there is something to that you know that had to be a logical conclusion to the end of his career I think it happened much sooner last year than anybody could have expected. It made it a little bit awkward after just two games. They go to Daniel Jones. Certainly made it awkward for Eli Manning. And as as Daniel Jones admitted a couple of weeks ago, it, he made it awkward. It made it awkward for him too. I, I I found you know Daniel Jones is extremely guarded. I mean he makes mm. Eli look like Jerry Seinfeld. Oh no, because Daniel's <laughs> just very careful. <laughs> Eli loves Seinfeld, so he he'd appreciate that, but. Daniel's very, very careful, but you know, for him to admit that it was awkward, I thought was was pretty striking. Now, of course, Eli himself said, "Yeah, it was kind of awkward." So I think Daniel agreed with it. But you know, you you have to look at this now as okay, this is Daniel Jones's team. There's no question, and that and that's a good thing for moving forward. You have a new coach, you have a coach who's now calling Daniel Jones by his name. So that's progress, and I think that they can move on. I was listening. The guy, Judge, refused to call players by their first name for quite a while, and I, I mean, think, I think that might have continued had we not had this interruption because that was that was part of his deal. Just earn your spot. I mean, talk about playing it close to the vest. Judge seems. Seems pretty tight, you know, tightly wound. Daniel Jones is J- Jason Garrett. You don't really think of as like a guy who's too loose. It's the New York media and it's asking Garrett to integrate, you know, this new, he's going to be installing a new offense, an offensive line where everyone's changing. I guess Nate Solder is maybe going to play right tackle. They have a rookie at left tackle. We'll see. You know, it's not a bad looking group. Actually, the, the line looks pretty good on pay, decent on paper. Um, but any concern about the, the way this offense is going to be able to ramp up with like all these new pieces all kind of getting together and not being able to be on the field right now? Any concern? I would say, you know, <laughs> DEFCON 3. <laughs> right. Because, you know, start with the fact that everyone's new. Add in, they have not been together ever as a team. So, you know, Joe Judge, I think, has one of the hardest jobs in the NFL this year, you know, competing in a market that's really intense. I've been impressed with the way he's handled himself, if you can be Mm. impressed, you know, from a distance, because I think, you know, I think he gets it. 
I think he's not, you know, he's tightly wound, but I don't think he's tight. You know, I think he is, he's got composure about him. Now he's going to get intense during games. He got intense during games with the Patriots as an assistant. So he's going to get intense um, and appear tight, but I think he, he has good vision for what he wants from his team. And I think, you know, he'll handle it, but it's going to be a, a, an incredible work in progress. Second year quarterback, first year, full year as a starter, new offensive line, um, similar weapons. You, know, you do have Saquon Barkley, so there's continuation there. But man, for the most part, uh, this is going to be this is going to take a while. When when you look at Dave Gettleman in the in the team building, you know, experience like there, there's a a belief out there by some that if you don't see uh, a front office really flipping the switch by year three, that you've got issues. And the Giants um, have won, what, 12 games in the past three seasons. That said, I think uh, to me, I, Gettleman feels a little bit like too easy of a whipping boy at times. And, he, and I get that, you know, he's a, he's a bit countercultural and, um, you know, doesn't seem to know how to turn on a, a laptop at times, things like that. And people have their fun with that, but you look at their draft and I think that Andrew Thomas, I mean, forget what the media thinks. A lot of people thought Andrew Thomas was a perfect pick for them right there. Xavier McKinney, the safety they got, is being compared to Minka Fitzpatrick. So I, I think they had one of the better drafts in the NFC. But do you trust, um, from where from where you sit, Dave Gettleman as a team builder in 2020 versus, you know, t- 2000 or something? Is he building a team for modern football? Yeah, that's a fair question, Um Mark, and I, and I think the answer is, I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I think there are pieces with this team. I think there is some semblance of cohesion. Now, the, the DeAndre Baker, we haven't talked about that. You know, that situation is going to impact potentially extremely negatively on Dave Gettleman because, you know, let's face it, he traded up three picks to get a player who might not be with the team. And there were so, there were questions about Baker going into the draft. I mean, that's kind of why he was there at number 30, people yeah. thought. Yes, yes, there were questions. I don't know that there were any questions to the level of something sure. that allegedly happened, right? So in, in fairness, I don't know that the concerns rose to that level. But that said, you know, it's that's on him. And this is a bottom line business. And he's got to take the hit for that if we find out that, that this is a player that's not going to be with the team. So I think there are elements of the team that have come together, uh, Mark. And I think that, you know, building the offensive line, like he said at the draft, you know, I just, we finally got to get this right. All right. And I think they've gone a long way toward getting it right. You may see Solder at right tackle uh, right now. It's Thomas at right tackle on the depth chart and then Solder at, at left tackle. And he's coming off an admittedly bad year. He had some personal issues with his child um, that were happening at the same time. So, you know, there are some pieces here and there are some building blocks, but I think there's genuine concern that, you know, is Gettleman a modern day general manager who can kind of adapt to today's world with a little bit of a, you know, stegosaurus burger type uh, look at, you know, how football is built from the lines out, you know, the big men and that, that's all well and good, but it's a different game now. And it's a totally different game. Um, we'll, we'll have here- to, it's a big year for him. Here's an optimistic spin on this, Bob, and you tell me if if it's a little too pie in the sky. So Daniel Jones certainly flashed last year as a rookie, and I know that you could definitely get on him for lack of ball security, but you know you imagine that in year two he could uh, button up some of those issues. Saquon Barkley, when healthy, is arguably the best running back 
in the league. Their wide receiver group, while it doesn't like jump out in conversations of the best triplets in the league, I like Golden Tate as a player. Sterling Shepard, we've always loved if he could stay on the field. And Darius Slayton kind of broke out last year as a, a nice draft pick there uh, when given opportunities. And then Evan Ingram, another guy that, yes, he's had injury issues, but an explosive playmaker nice went on the field. Yep. How hard do you really have to squint, honestly? And the offensive line, obviously, we were talking about that. Question marks there, but they did address that with three draft picks and uh, including the big man at four overall. I mean, how hard do you have to squint to see this as a potentially not just like proficient offense, but a very good offense? I think it's mm. potentially in play here. Crazy. Very good offense. I mean, I, I, I guess you could see flashes. Um, I, I need to see more consistency from Daniel Jones. You mentioned ball security. Fumbling was a problem. He's working on that in the offseason. Um, you know, Mike Barkley can, was stopped. No matter how good your running back is, he, you know, teams can stop that. And the receivers, I'd say, are you know, good, not great. I love Shepard, and Slayton was a nice surprise. And Golden Tate is a good possession receiver. You don't have a true home run hitter. Okay, you can live without that. And Ingram is Ingram and Slayton and Barkley. Big time explosiveness, right? But. I don't know. You put that all together and, and you have a new system, a new offense, a new offensive coordinator and a new offensive line. That That's an awful lot. I think talent. Yes. On paper, it's there. But I mean, I don't know. I'm not looking at a playoff offense in my mind mm. just yet. I'm with you, okay. Dan, though. I don't think Probably you have crazy. to. I don't think you have to squint that hard. My my bigger concern is is Garrett is um, whether they have the coach to take advantage of being explosive or whether he's just going to want to run the ball like crazy, like he talks about, and whether they're going to take advantage of all these guys, whether he's the guy to develop Daniel Jones. And maybe maybe he'll prove me wrong there, but they just sound like they want to play it close to the vest where I'm with you, Dan, that they have enough weapons that actually I I think they should take advantage of that because they're going to have to. Their defense, the I'm rambling a little bit here, but the defense looks terrible on paper, and they have a coordinator who's never done anything, Patrick Graham, who's coming from Miami. So that, to me, is the bigger concern, that if Baker's gone, that maybe is the worst secondary in the entire NFL, and you don't really have many natural pass rushers, and you have a coach that's never done anything. So you're going to have to score some points, I think, to keep up with this defense. Yeah, welcome to Giants in 2019. Right. 2018, right? No, seriously, I mean, it's, that's that's a huge problem. I remember Tom Coughlin, you know, toward the end of his run, just before they were consistently bad and, and you felt it was time for a change, but he had to coach differently. He had to take far more chances on offense, and he went for fourth downs more than he usually did but because he had a defense that couldn't stop anybody. And remember the last year that after after he left, they went on a spending binge in free agency, got in Olivier Vernon, uh, Snacks Harrison. So they got they built their defense. But you have to coach differently when you can't stop anybody. And that's what hurt last year. Pat Shermer had to be much more aggressive and it burned him. Let me ask you this real quick. I mean, Giants ownership, you know, and, and Dan mentioned he grew up in, in Giants, uh, you know, towns. I, I, I grew up watching the Giants. It's the first team I remember. And they just had this um, undeniable identity with Parcells and uh, with Belichick and their defensive staff. And, it, and, and, and right up through Coughlin. I mean, they just were the Giants and they were a, a different type of football team than anything else out there. 
they seem to have zero identity at the moment um, on defense, at least. And this ownership group, I mean, I know they've been annoyed, obviously, with what's happened the last couple of years. How patient will they be with Joe Judge if it's going to take, you know, this season's going to be rough potentially with no real training camp, if that's how it plays out. But let's say they struggle, you know, for a year or two. Is Joe Judge going to get the one, two-year deal and you're done? Or are they, are they committed to really, like, seeing this through for once? There's been so much turnover there. Yeah, that's a fair question, and I think the answer is Joe Judge gets at least two or three years of, you know, like there's going to be no problem with that because they really truly believe that they have a good young coach who can last a long time. I think Gettleman is the guy who would be on the hot seat if they go south uh, record-wise. I think they would be no problem making a change there, that they would they would do that and hope that someone else coming in as a general, because they do like that structure of general manager. They don't want to make Joe judge into Bill Belichick in terms of giving him all the um, authority with personnel. So I think they will be patient with him. They're aware of it. John Mara is aware of it. You know, he grew up John Mara. I've known him, you know, since 85 and went before he was like the lead executive of this team. And it was good Mm. to kind of see him um, just as a, an everyman type person and humble brag. He lived with, he lived with heartache growing up because when he grew up, his father's teams were terrible. Yeah. John Merritt did not want to go to school. He, like Wellington had to force him to go to school on Monday mornings after a terrible loss. And John was afraid his, his classmates would make fun of him. So, I mean, that's ingrained in him. He's impatient and he's driven. Um, but I think that he will give Joe judge the benefit of time because he feels like he found somebody that he can win with over a long period of time. And I think he's willing to go through the, um, the inevitable ups and downs that, that you have with a, a first-year coach. The trick is, though, you know, Gettleman, if he's on the hot seat, then you're just falling into this cycle again where it's like the coach and the GM didn't come in at the same time and they're not aligned. And that's yep. – the Giants used to say they were sort of above that. You know, we keep you know coaches for a long time. We keep GMs. All the GMs at this point still have, like, a Giants lineage. But that then you're falling into some of the – troubles that some really bad franchises get into so it's like you almost have to keep Gettleman at this point if Judge is there and and see it out even even if it doesn't make a lot of sense you only get to have uh, coaches that hang around for a long time if you hire the right coach in the first place (laughs) exactly Exactly. nailing that lately I think you'll be able to see what you know what Judge is uh, even this year maybe you'll see it even more because of the challenges but I see what you're saying Greg the, the coach GM thing is really important. It's really hard. And I think the Giants had a long run where they just had George Young, didn't have to worry about it. George hires Ernie Acorsi, trains him up the way he you know sees fit. Ernie builds a Super Bowl roster that Jerry Reese inherits. And Jerry Reese was the last scout hired by George Young. So there was this uninterrupted line of succession from 1979 through the end of the Jerry Reese era a couple of years ago, that was, and then, you know, you could say that Gettleman, Gettleman was part of it. Yes, but he wasn't hired by George, this this George Young direct legacy. And yet Gettleman is part of that franchise earlier on. He was more of a Coughlin guy. So um, yeah, they don't, they don't, they love the structure of GM and coach and probably lost them Bill Parcells in 90 because of that, because he and, George Young didn't get along, but 
they like that structure. And if it doesn't work, you're right. They, they will have to make some adjustments. But I don't think there is the kind of loyalty to Dave Gettleman in the Giants front office that there was with George Young, certainly, and Ernie Acorsi, and to a lesser degree, Jerry Reese. I just don't think – I think they would make a move hmm. sooner. Bob, uh, pivoting uh, before we say goodbye, I'd like – just to see where we at, we are where we're at right now. You are, of course, the president of the Pro Football Writers of America. It's been a it's been a sore spot uh, for a certain member of this podcast. I, I'll, I'll point out it's Mark Sessler uh, that we are not members of this esteemed group. Is there any movement on this front from the Prez uh, to get us involved with your great organization? Well, first of all, I wanted to talk to Mark. I said, Mark. Can we talk at the combine and we you didn't did. get a chance? You did, and that felt right? like about twenty-two years ago. But I do. You you made a point I, of wanting to have a discussion. He 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 did as usual. Yeah. He's like, we'll do it on the podcast. I'm not I'm not doing this unless it's content. No, I'm I, sorry, <laughs> that's just how Mark rolls. The, first of all, and I and part of and I'm I'm imagining what am I going to tell Mark? I'm, and here's part of it. And I, I, you know, I was going to hope to save this for a private conversation, but let's be out in the open. We met at the Combine several years ago. I said, you chuckleheads have a good chemistry. All right. Is yeah. that correct, Rosie? Yes, it is. That's, that's, right. that's right. Factual. We're in the back of the press room at the Lucas Oil Stadium. I said, yeah, there's something about you guys. You guys are big in London, for God's sake. You <laughs> attract crowds at London pubs. At least that's what your Twitter says, Right. You're internationally famous. Why do you give a, a anything? You know, why do you care about this? It's a. It's well, a I mean, I see myself. You know, a, I, I have a, a little yeah. bit of shared DNA with Michael Jordan, where I'm just looking for that that one thing that can get me motivated. And sometimes it's got to be <laughs> something that I, you know, positive motive, po- positive reinforcement doesn't do it with me. I, it's got to be something that gets mm. me riled up. And, um, you know, this didn't start with you. You've at least attempted to uh, address the topic. It was some previous uh, presidents. Yeah, Trotter um, blew us off with a letter. Well, you know, and I oh, – and Really? It's nice to get to know him since, and I see that that probably was just the, the machinations of how it all works. I'm sure he didn't sit down and Mark, type that, that letter. but backpedaling like Deion you know, Sanders I mean, here. Let's just say, you know, you know I, Prime I, was, time. I, I give uh, Glauber a lot of credit for reaching out and addressing the issue. Here's the here's the the answer, Bob. I think it's because you you know capital J journos in your ivory towers. You're looking yes. at you're looking at ooh these podcast bozos, and oh they work no. for the NFL. They must be just biased. They're um, not. They're not. They real don't spend time in locker rooms. We, so, we, they don't pound the pavement. They haven't paid their dues. So they can they can get all the uh, London fans they want. Doesn't mean they have integrity. I think that's what you're you know covertly saying to us. <laughs> Put it out oh, in the open, Bob. No, no. Hey, what's up? Um, no, that's <laughs> Greg. If I if if I didn't think you had integrity, shame on me. Come on, man. it's not integrity. There is there is a there is a bit of there is a line. There is a line of demarcation, and that line is you know, it's 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 a pretty strong line. Yeah. So, Mark, we're just going to have to exist on the outside, the fringes of of the establishment. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. See, this is good, though. You guys are like the outsiders, right? We operate in the shadows and we will continue to do so. Hey, we're the outsiders, man. We're going to we're going to come in there and kick some butt. (laughs) 
Yeah. The bad boys. That's what we are. Um, Bob, you said it all. Thank you for giving us the insight. And um, I hope your family and uh, friends all staying healthy during these, these trying times. And it was just great to see you and great to hear you. Great. great. Shout out to my mother. My mother beat it, man. She beat COVID. She wow. did. Wow. That's awesome, Bob. That's good. good. Well, that's In great. Person. That's great to hear. There you go. Mama Glauber. Thank you. Mama. Mama Glaubs. Got it done. All right. Well, best wishes okay. to mom as uh, well. Thank you. thank you, Bob. Uh for talking some Giants football there. And let's uh let's end our little Giants chat, guys, with a little over under. I'm gonna okay. start here. Giants, seven and a half wins, Greg. Under. Strong under. I'm going you, over. I'm, I think they'll be eight and eight. Wow. Giants. See, I'm kind of with you. I'm taking the over here. I don't, I don't see the NFC East as this, like, incredible uh, division that's going to have teams that are going to be soaring. I think it's going to be a dogfight, and I think the Giants are going to be able to hang in this division. I really do. That's our East Coast bias, but we're sticking with it. All right. What about, let's go, Saquon Barkley over under 2,000 yards. Total yards. It's, it's the right number. I'm going to just say under because that's it's so awesome that trying to expect that out of uh, a Jason Garrett back. But it, it's certainly possible, but I'll go under. I'll go under, but I wonder what Bob thinks. Mm. I'll go under on on everything. I mean, you are the guys who say, "Hey, they don't have to squint to see see greatness." There, Rosie, you all of a sudden, ah, nah, take the under. Oh, well, yeah. I, I just think it's it's an awful lot to ask of a first year coach with no work with his players mm. in the entire off season. The first time he gets together might be training camp to come in cold. Seven and a half, man. That's a, that's a that's a pretty yeah. big number given those circumstances and given that defense, which we talked about. They haven't been together. It's tough to do things you've never done before, like having a Zoom call with with a guest like Bob Glauber, where Dan tries to say like bye to the guest mid-convo, but then he's still on the, the video, and then we bring Bob, him back yeah. in. Like, we don't know what we're you doing. You can sign we're off all, at any time, Bob. We thought we, thought we were signing <laughs> off, but well, I want Bob are, the whole show. Let's keep him. You guys, <laughs> you guys can, can kick me off. Just – just get the, get the, get the hook. Well, we can't, we can't right. do it with you just sitting there. What, you know, if you're just watching right. us, we're really, it, it, you know, off? I'll, I'll go off that. You guys, I'm, I'm grateful to be with the heroes. <laughs> My best to, to Wes and link and yeah. yes. great stuff there. All right. Nice He's there, Bob. We Bye, love Bob. You. Thank you. All right. See you love guys. that man. All right. Thank you to Bob Glaber. And before we say goodbye, let's welcome back Lindsay Rhodes and also welcome in. Some people that we love. All right. So thank you to Bob Glauber. That was awesome. Uh, but now as we tease something that we've been waiting all week for, we want to see what the updated Wesseling clan looks like. So here they are for the first time on the <gasps> podcast. There is Lakeisha, Chris <laughs> Wesseling, and baby Link. Oh. Link Link for the first time. Oh. <laughs> Look at that dude. Oh, what a cutie. Lincoln just is a, he's got an eye for the camera. He's lighting it up. <laughs> this is a onesie courtesy of his Nana Rhoda. Mm. What does it say? On it. Pass the podcast headphones, it? Dad. I got your back. 
<laughs> and I also, I have to say, as uh, someone that's known for his hair on this podcast, uh, Lincoln looks like he might be coming for the throne. Look at that yeah. full head of hair. Well, this, this guy's six days old. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get it from me. How, how, how is, is everybody doing? doing? Yeah. yeah, what's going on over there? Um, exhausted. That's the key word. I feel like a zombie. Um, I don't know how people with two kids do it because one, it's like Chris. I feel like he changes <laughs> like fifty diapers a day, <laughs> and I'm either feeding, but it's all worth it. Well, we had that whole "it's over for the Westlings" thing where everybody told us we wouldn't have a social life, and we, you know, <laughs> and we were like, "No, we'll be different." And everybody kind of patted us on the head, like, "That's cute, that's cute." You think you're going to be different, and now it's like, "When do you come up for air?" Yeah. About 18 years from now. It lasted like four days before giving up on all that. Oh, man. Yeah. It, well, this in terms of sleep, you know, it, you, you're recovering from birth and a surgery. Keisha, it'll get it'll get better. And disclaimer, if I cry, I'm sorry. I cried everything now. Um, I don't know how long that will last. I would like to be my normal self again one day. But right now, everything makes me cry. We were watching a show last night on the Smithsonian Channel about the Mississippi River, and they were talking about beavers. The parents work up to 20 hours a day, and Keisha's like, I hear you. I feel like a damn beaver. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, this is amazing. Look at that guy. So well-behaved, too. He's just totally chilling right now. He's chilling. You're not even asking the right questions, Dan. Like, is he sleep? Are you guys sleeping, Chris? Are you getting up? Are you being? I know the answers, Erica. I've been there. They told us. I just want to hear them. I just talk to me, Erica. It is hard as f. Um, (laughs) Me, maybe Lindsay can give me some tips. I can't sleep when he sleeps because I'm constantly getting up to make sure like he's breathing. So I can hardly ever sleep. And I'm constantly telling, waking him up to, you know, you know, feed, not feed him, but change his diaper because they don't give it to me to feed. But it's just like, I can't get any sleep. I'm guessing you guys all went through this, but it's hard to get excited during the pregnancy. At least it was for me because he's not in my body. And then you meet him and right. then you're excited. You know, I, I can't, the, the phrase over the moon has been in my vocabulary and it seems like everyone else's vocabulary. Everybody's over the moon. In Australia, they're chuffed. Chuffed for you, mate. <laughs> that must be cute. Like seeing Chris super excited. I'm just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. That is super cute. Yeah. So cute. It's stupid. You look tired, Wes. <laughs> you look tired. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah, Wes, I just wanted to pass guys. on that. Um... Like I'm having flashbacks that aren't necessarily great. <laughs> if, if you yes. got any tips, um, I would appreciate them. I used the little Sully wrap yesterday, and that was a game changer because usually I'm just stuck on the couch. Like, we moved our whole operation into the living room. He's on one end of the couch. I'm on the other end of the couch. We've got the um, bassinet in there, and just that's where our setup is. And I'm just stuck on the couch all the time with him. I'm a boob. But <laughs> yesterday I got to use the Sully wrap and actually get up and, like, Wes or Link? Man. <laughs> I walked into the bedroom and uh, saw the bed, and I was like, "Oh, I got emotional!" Like I remember that thing. I used to sleep there. Yeah. <laughs> it's over, West. Yeah. Um, well, poops you know, all the time, poops and pees all the time. Well, how has it been getting back home? Because you were you were at the hospital for five days, and uh, Wes was there without being able to leave, which is a unique experience, I think, uh, for the dad because of COVID. So, how has it been? 
getting back to your house. I know you guys, you know, in another world, maybe your mom, Keisha, would be there. Um, so you're not getting some of the help that it's some other moms again. But uh, oh. like, how has it been since you got back home? It's been... Sorry, I told y'all I cry at everything. It's been, our neighbors helped out a lot. It really sucks not having my mom here to help. She's going to be um, flying out at some point soon because um, the Longs, JB Longs, they have um, a little guest house in their backyard and they're going to let her quarantine out there um, so she can oh, wow. um, great. be at her to help us and stuff. But mm. I can't say enough about our neighbors. They've been dropping off food. Um, yesterday, our Direct next door neighbor, the Palmers, they dropped off appetizers, I think at what, six o'clock, dinner at seven, um, <laughs> dessert, dessert at, eight. at eight. Like it's just, <laughs> they've all just been so wonderful because they know the situation that we're in right now. So it's kind of like having a little extended family that you didn't know that you had. It's kind of weird for me because I have five younger brothers. Oh. So I did all this stuff, but it was in the 1980s. And <laughs> the technology and baby care is like, so different compared yeah. to what we grew up with. And during the process, the last nine months, I'm like, oh, you don't need all that stuff. Like, you know, all these newfangled parents with their gadgets. We need all of it. Yeah. We need all of it. It's a battle we're fighting. It's a war. And we need all the weaponry we can get. I like getting uh, the Wes update on baby technology innovations. I didn't. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that, that one. Yeah, I mean, the, the car seats, the strollers, the the bouncy toys, everything's so much different than it was. He's finally napping, took a nap in his bouncy today. That was a life changer. I got to get so much stuff done during that time, but then I also had to keep, again, checking on him because if he's for a certain amount of time, I freak out. Like, I'm mm. always constantly putting my hand on his near his face, being like, do I feel anything? Okay, he's still breathing. We're good. We're good. Six <laughs> days, we're doing good. <laughs> Very normal young parent stuff. I remember doing all that and just to kind of put a button on it. You said, when can, when do you come up for air? Yeah, that's that's really hard to say. I don't know. I I mean, from this phase, this newborn phase, maybe it will take, you know, a few weeks, few weeks, few months, whatever. But in another way, I feel like we still haven't in our house come up for air since the first baby landed. It's just it's a game changer. Yeah. I guess you almost, you're living underwater uh, in some ways at that point. Now, years, Aquaman maybe. and three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's when you come up. But um, twenty thirty six for free. (laughs) He's a beautiful boy, and we are so happy for you guys. Uh, All right, we'll let you get back to your parenting and your poop cleaning and your checking for breathing and all that great fun young parent stuff. uh, Congratulations and uh, enjoy this special time. All right, thanks, guys. See you. Love, love you guys. Love you, Lincoln. Love you. Link, we have another boy <sighs> in the family. Unbelievable. Yep, a young tape dog. Two, four, five seven... boys and one girl. Yeah, poor, poor Ellis, my daughter. Uh, you know, she needs she needs another uh, another pal. Uh, may, you know, another girl pal. Maybe uh, maybe Wesley and kid number two. The problem with them coming up for air for three years. Well, we don't even want to. We don't, don't want to get it. We don't think we even get into Dan's predictions of June, June, June when this next one might be coming. Right. Oh, it's coming. It's now coming. Now's not the soon. time. Now's not the time. <laughs> Lindsay, your final thoughts on motherhood. <laughs> well, I was thinking uh, that quarantine might actually be kind of an added bonus for them because while her mom can't, like, you want those types of people around. One of the things that I remember as a new parent is when people would come visit. I was like, I will never do this to someone again because they just come visit and they want to see the baby. Like, 
if you want to go visit a brand new baby, bring either food or do something when you're there. Because it's just time that the mother or father don't have to just sit and visit. I, I remember always being like, I really want to see you, but like the fact that there's downtime right now, I have to sleep. And this is stressing me out that we're not, I'm not sleeping during this time. So they cut out all of the people who just want to come by and see the baby that they don't have time for. So that's a win. And, and uh, yeah. Lakeisha's mom coming that's a little true. later is not the worst. One thing I thought about was, you know, moms and help and friend they're always there for, it's always there the first two, three, four weeks, whatever it is, but you're in the exact same situation in month two, three, four, five. So it's fine. If, if the mom comes out a little later for a month, like you need the help just as much in month three, pretty much as month one. So it's okay. Spread it out. Um, all right, Lindsay, you've come in and you've done it again. Like- mm. You've done it again, <laughs> Lindsay. You've said it all. Thanks. You've done it all. And we every time you're on the show, we love it, and it's a lot of fun. So thank you uh, again for joining the Around the NFL podcast. One of the great friends of the show, absolutely. Technological disadvantages and all. Yes, but we'll, we we survived it, and we will be back on Friday with the Around the NFL broadcast on NFL Network. Make sure you check that out, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, with some re-airings throughout the weekend. Set your DVRs. Support the show if you can. And and on this podcast, how about over on uh, iTunes, leave five stars in a review. Uh, that always helps us as well. And check out the Around the NFL subreddit. Uh, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm. The mail, well, not the mailman. Well, yes, the mailman was here. Lakeisha, Lincoln, the old boss, Lindsey Rhodes, and of course, Ricky Hollywood in West Hollywood. Until Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? My check engine light's on. Mm, that could hurt your gas mileage. The AutoZone free fix finder service can help find the fix for free. Get in zone. This whole report for free? That's right. Printed and on your phone for free. Get in zone. But what if the fix is too tough? 
we'll recommend a local shop. FixFinder, only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.